Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in on a little bit of everything with me, and I am your host, Angelica. This is a podcast that talks about a little bit of everything, so sit back and enjoy the show. And welcome back to another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. Today, my guest is an author of the book called The Millennia Whisper and also a keynote speaker. Welcome, Chris, to the show. How are you doing today? Awesome. Yeah, I finally got up to the Northeast. Uh, I'm up in Rhode Island overlooking the bay right now. So I am much better than I have been being stuck in a house with my 10 year old and eight year old daughters <laughs> and wife. So uh, we're doing pretty awesome. It's been a great day. I'm glad. It sounds like you've been adapting to this new normal that we're going through. So I don't call, I mean, for me, I, I sign all, I mean, I, as you can probably tell from my, well, I don't know if people, if you hear me, I have bright yellow glasses. I have three pairs of bright yellow glasses. Like that's Love kind them. of like bright yellow. Um, uh, wristwatch. Uh, I've actually got a new Audi with bright Nike Volt yellow tires and handles. And I mean, Amazing. part of it is like, how can we breathe light into the world? And yes. how do you, how can we help be um, really that inspiration for those around us to help choose light in what is, you know, a very dark time going on right now. Uh, and so, I also sign my books, The Best is Yet to Come, which is kind of, you know, a double entendre with, I do truly believe that Generation Z, a lot of our kids are the ones that will help save the environment and actually really tackle some of these core issues that are starting to become more and more uh, at the center point of, of what's happening around us. But, you know, I will tell you that uh, COVID was probably one of the tougher things that I've gone through because I'm so addicted to momentum and progress, but it was definitely one of the best things that's ever happened. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but it wasn't really until today that I started to be able to see objectively, wow, like, look at all the great things. Look at all these silver linings that's come mm -hmm. out of this stuff. Um, so yeah. Uh, but you caught me on a great day too, Angelica. I mean, I'm actually always really upbeat, but you caught me on an especially great day. Well, I feel like this, what we're going through is a blessing in disguise because really it's like, I've, well, I haven't stopped, like I told you earlier before we started, but I felt like it was just an opportunity for me to have my creative mind and really jot down what I want to do and kind of get things started slowly and kind of figure out where I'm going to navigate after this. But I felt like uh, I feel like this is just a great opportunity for a lot of us to really kind of think things through, you know, kind of get some self-help and try to do some uh, hobbies that we couldn't have the chance to do while the hustle and bustle because living in the North Americas and for those listening North Americas, cause I'm in Canada and you're in yeah. the U S um, we're always like constant go, 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 go. And we kind of forget to stop. A hundred percent. And you know, the other piece that, I emphasize to everyone is 
looking inwardly to what it is that fires you up and fuels you up is one of the most important things that all of us can do. And I, you know, I talk about it in the millennial whisper about our job as, as, as leaders is to not just tell our people what to do, but to really instigate and be that coach for them to discover what it is that makes them those individuals. And what is it that you're passionate about? And I'll, I'll start a lot of speeches saying that um, life needs to be a ruthless pursuit of passions. And, you know, we talk a lot about generationally that the importance, especially for younger millennials and Gen Zers with purpose, that your, your company, no matter how small or big, needs to represent something much larger than just profit margins and, and a stock symbol. And, you know, they need to be doing social good. But I take to the next level and I actually work with everyone on my teams to help them discover their own purpose statements. And I actually use Tommy Breedlove, who's the one that introduced us, mm -hmm. who has been a, a huge coach and mentor and best friend of mine through the last years. And he's actually the one that instigated me writing the Millennial Whisper in the mm -hmm. first place. But I use his exercises to pull out of people their purpose. And why that's so important is that not necessarily for what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. A lot of people will look at what they do in their job in what they are getting paid for. And it's further away from their purpose than probably they want, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I also tell people is like, it's absolutely imperative that we create hobbies, side hustles, and passion projects to fuel whatever that purpose piece is along with those passions. And magic happens when your passion, purpose, and your actual job end up and profession overlap, passion, purpose, and profession. When that Venn diagram, magic happens. Because, I mean, right now I'm kind of working, Angelica. Like, how mm -hmm. cool is that? Like, we're, this is my work. And, and I think that's something that so many people strive for. But it isn't until you really pursue those side hustles and those passion projects that that thing can become what I call your currency. And for like, I mean, my, my background um, for those that, and I don't know how much you know about my background, but I kind of fell into the social media and digital media scene in 2003. I bounced around the agency world after 64 failed job interviews and finally found my place at a, you know, creative ad agency. But it wasn't really until I started working directly with Facebook as they're expanding from colleges to the general public, working directly with Mark Zuckerberg and I ended up actually having one of the first viral videos of me getting engaged to my wife. It got us on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Good Morning America flew down. And like that was what essentially my first currency was built upon, which was my passion, which was digital and social media. And that's what people sought me out for and also what my job was. But I started to evolve as a human and we all start to evolve as humans. And what we find is that sometimes our paths go uh, a little bit further away from mm -hmm. what our current currency is. And the key to honing and developing and really evolving your currency is with these side hustles and passion projects. And I mean, the Millennial Whisperer was a passion project of mine that now, fast forward, I'm a partner at an, and have been a partner at an advertising firm for the last 11 years. And now I'm using my book to get into the doors of big corporations like Nike to then develop a relationship that then transfers into the marketing world. And so 
one thing I emphasize to everyone is understand your purpose, understand your passions, but also as a leader, encourage your people to pursue and put those things down on paper, but then also give them opportunities and resources to fuel those. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And you're like speaking my language because the podcast is a side hustle for me. It's a hustle where I'm trying to expand on that network and, you know, bring it to a whole new level where I want to get into speaking. I want to start writing my book. I want to, you know, create something creatively with a merch line and just, you know, you can expand on it, but it's such a passion that I have that I'm kind of like, I love my full-time job too. And I got to work both of them out to make things work and do these sacrifices to build that empire that I've always dreamed of. Yeah. And it's one thing saying it's another thing doing, right? And Mm -hmm. I think we live in a world of instant gratification of, um, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people aren't willing to put in the work or they don't have that resilience and tenacity to break through. And I mean, I can tell you as an author, you know, and which we, the book's been massively successful. We sold close to hundred, I mean, I think over a hundred thousand copies and I've been wow. on some of the main stages, but it took relentlessness, mm-hmm. right? Like absolute and a lot of risks along the way. And for whatever, I mean, I can tell you the reasons of why we, we live in a society that is highly influenced from our social media feeds. And, you know, one thing I emphasize, especially as you look at the generational differences within our workplace, younger millennials and Gen Zers, especially, I tell them time and time again, you got to stop comparing your insides to other people's outsides because this, this, this idea of perfection that exists in Instagram is, is, is not achievable. It's not doable. So um, instead I introduce them to what I call my 70, 30 rule, which is, 30% of your job is just going to suck. 70% should fire you up and fuel you up, but 30% is going to suck. So let's figure out of your job description, what's in your 30%, what's in your 70%. And what that helps with is this grass is always greener complex that kind of comes along with all this other stuff that's happening with the influences of social media. And I actually think COVID brought us a little bit back to our real lives. People could no longer, you know, every celebrity, there they were, no longer on set with the perfect makeup, but they're, mm-hmm. they're yelling at their kids. They're, you know, doing their Zoom in their living room. And I think it actually took a little bit of that down. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, you know, once again, I think this following through on side hustles and um, having that passion and that perseverance to see it all the way through and the resilience is, is so critical to actually creating a job or an existence where you're getting paid for what might drive those passions of you. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I'm so passionate with what I'm doing. And, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself, like, I'm doing this because I love it. I do it because I love meeting new people. I want to break out of the shell. And I got to tell you this, I started this podcast because I wanted to break out of my shell. I want to get rid of that social anxiety that I've always struggled with. And having a learning disability on top of that was even a lot harder because about four years ago, I kind of accepted the fact that I have a learning disability and how do I move forward from this, right? So I've gone through different uh, challenges and hurdles and, you know, it it was tough, but now I can say, wow, things are looking up to me because I worked my butt off and I, I, you know, I'm not here to brag about it, but 
I had to work my butt off and I did, and I managed to accomplish different things in life, but you're speaking my language and this is what fuels me to keep going. Well, I think, you know, Tommy is one of my favorite, um, Tommy Breedlove, who's, you know, he, he calls them your muscles, right? And these are muscles that you're flexing. I mean, right now, my perception of you, Angelica is like, dang, she does this all the time. She's so well-spoken. I'm on a podcast. I've been on over 500 media interviews and you come across so smooth and um, great. Like it's a natural conversation. But one thing that you're, I think, demonstrating a good example behind is that all of these things are reps, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it does, it takes a lot of that to mm-hmm. start to develop that muscle that then becomes second nature, which it are, it is to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and um, you know, a lot of people, I mean, props to you for actually walking the talk. I mean, even with writing a book, the stats are 13 million people every year, start a book, 3 million finish the book and 500 become national bestsellers. Wow. And so you're already beating the odds just by finishing the book. And then I mean, I I would not encourage everyone to try to become a national bestseller, but um, because it just takes it also, I think, a different breed of human being to do it. Um, But no, I mean, what I'm trying to use as the example is like that follow through is is so important. And for whatever reason, one of the most um, like famous things that's come out of my book, it's like somewhere deep inside the pages but it's this idea of turning let's into buy when. And um, it's actually also a backbone of my next book, Save Your Asks, which is all about how to become a better networker and seller. But this, this is a call to action to anytime you meet someone, for example, or you get an email from a team member, let's do this, or let's, let's put together this podcast, and then nothing happens. Immediately answer with buy when. And you'll see mm-hmm. the biggest impact in your personal life when you start doing this in a social basis. So mm. anytime that you're going to a networking event or whatever, someone will say, yeah, let's grab coffee. And then immediately say, by when? And pull out your phone, get your calendar out. And you'll notice that a week later, you're on a Zoom call or you're meeting in person <laughs> or whatever it is, and it's actually happening. Yeah. And it's with simple tactics like that, that we can really help, um, I think, master these systems and create rules for ourselves to help with those muscles and that tenacity and that follow through. For sure. Definitely. And your book, The Millennial Whisper, um, can you tell us more about it? Because I, I, I feel like I got to buy it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the good news is uh, I'm not sure if my international shipping, what that looks like, but if uh, I'm giving away free copy hardcovers of the book. Uh, if you go to quiz.themillennialwhisper.com, and I'm sure we can link out to it in the yep. show notes, but uh, I'm giving away a free copy of the book after I'll tell you what type of millennial leader you are, your strengths and weaknesses, and then you can sign up for uh, to get a free copy delivered. But um, you know, one of the big things and my favorite quote since publishing is millennials aren't the problem. They just expose all the problems. And when I go into these both large famous corporations as well as small businesses like dentist offices. Um, When I tell them some of the things that millennials are looking for from an organizational standpoint, number one, it's no different than any other generation. It's pay and benefits. Number two, it is different than 
Gen Xers and boomers. It's positive work culture. Mm -hmm. And the importance of positive work culture is culture is a byproduct of great leadership. Um, number three is continuous learning. And number four is work flexibility. And COVID pushed us into the work flexibility piece. Mm -hmm. But where I like to really focus on is the culture piece. It comes out of leadership and it's up to your people to create that culture. And what they're looking for from leadership is number one, inspirational leadership, two, autonomy, three, transparency, and four, authenticity. And each one of those, we can go any which way you want. Um, we can dissect those, but those are what your millennial workers, um, older millennials, 38, 39 year olds now, mm -hmm. as well as younger millennials, 24 year olds, as well as Gen Zers are looking for you out of leaders. And um, we can go any which way on that. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's interesting what you said there of finding that leader and I was a leader when I was in uh, retail management and dealing with different age groups was, was the biggest challenge for me because you're in the middle, you got people older than you, and then you got people younger and you're trying to build that relationship and mesh. But the one thing I've always said, and I've learned because being an associate yourself, I've always said, you need to figure out how you can develop each other to become better and see what they're looking for. What is the skill that they're trying to look for to improve for their you know, future, for their career, for whatever it is? And I always kept that in mind when being in that situation of being in the middle and then you're mm -hmm. trying to put two groups together. Sure. And I mean, at the end of the day, I, I will tell audiences and corporations that as human beings, we all just want to be accepted loved and mm -hmm. recognized exactly. and those are really the tent poles of even you know inspirational leadership autonomy authenticity um all of those things kind of ladder up through that but it's really connection that people are looking for and i talk about in the millennial whisper why are these generations why are we different well social media is uh one of the main um you know reasons. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece was um, really when the recession of 2008 either hit them, yeah. older millennials were in the market, were actually in the job market. And so they were forced to become more entrepreneurial and um, create their own kind of destiny. And younger millennials saw their mom and dad lose their jobs and inherited a bunch of student debt because of it. But it's really with those two main influences what makes these generations different. But you also look at the relationship that a lot of these, that the younger generations, 38 year olds all the way through to the ones entering the marketplace now who are Gen Zers that are 23. And the relationship with their parents are very different than even I'm 40. I'm right on the cusp. You know, it was much more of an authoritarian relationship that I had with my parents. And that translates directly into our workplace in People are no longer looking for a bossy boss that will just sit up on a pedestal and tell you what to do. People are craving connection. Mm -hmm. And it's context and connection. If anyone, if you want to walk away with anything, give context. And that really leads into this idea of transparency. Transparency, when, when you're interpreting it, people either interpret it to be financial transparency. And it's not that you don't have to tell everyone how much money you're making. Mm -hmm. um, or they go to vulnerability in that Brene Brown, like you got to cry in front of your people. And it's not that 
what your people want is context. So make sure you're sharing the data, that you're sharing the ups and downs and learnings that you're having instead of just coming in and telling them the good stuff. And it's through that context and then the other side of it, connection, connect with them as human beings. In your one-on-ones, stop talking about business the whole time. Ask your people, I use an example of uh, uh, my friend, Mike Hibison, who is an executive at the Home Depot. And he starts all of his one-on-ones with his 30 direct reports every month with, do you want to talk about work or you want to talk about life? And 80% of the time they talk about life. And it's through that connection that not only does Mike have a better idea as to what that person's going through, but he's actually able to create something that is real, that is a relationship that goes so much further than just business talk. And Mm -hmm. it's just so critical that we remember Mm -hmm. that. And we, you know, this, this blurring of the lines of personal and, and what is happening within our personal lives, as well as our work lives, it's, it's work-life integration. It's not work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. And you nailed it. It's true. It's like, if when you, get to know somebody through their life and what they're going through, just saying, Hey, how are you? Let's not talk about the numbers. Let's talk about yourself. And what is, what is on your mind that you want to say? I feel like you you, definitely, you build that connection. And I feel like this is why a lot of times I felt like a lot of my ex coworkers felt like, you know, how can just someone come here and speak to me for 10 minutes about business and then not even say, Hey, how am I doing? And that's where I always kept that in mind as a leader. I've always wanted to know what was happening because it really affects your business. It affects everything, the environment, especially. And when you just say, Hey, how are you? How was your weekend? You open up a different conversation, a different, um, a different energy. Cause I do believe in energies too. Right. So that really resonates through their day and it kind of gives them that, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have such a great day because I kind of left, like let that whatever was bothering me and I just let it go. So it definitely, I completely agree. You have to go to those life connections and then you can talk about the business. And I, and I, and I call it the art of the flyby. Like you don't have to wait for one-on-ones to create a connection with your people. And you know, one thing I also tell leaders is start following everyone on your team on social media. Find out what they're doing on the weekend. So when you come in on Monday and you're doing the flyby by their desk, you'd be like, Meg, that cat you adopted is the most adorable thing I've ever seen. Tell mm-hmm. where'd you get it? Meg's going to be like, oh my gosh, he actually care or he or she actually cares about my life. Mm-hmm. And he's, he or she's taking the time to look and ask me about these things. And, you know, in the next book, save your asks. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I, I call it a race to the middle, which is how, f- how fast in a conversation um, out of the gates with someone, can you actually find that common passion point? Because it's actually through that common passion point that uh, a, a true relationship will blossom. And um, the same is true for bosses and people that are, are working with them. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm so curious about what you think is going to happen as generations grow. So 
how are they going to take on the world when it comes to leadership? And because things have changed, let's face it. Like if, when you've got an older generation, it's like, and you're working with a different type of mentality. And with, I feel like my generation, which is, uh, of course, it's different. Like we've seen a change and a different impact every year as people get older and older. So what do you see the future being like when it comes to the younger generation, uh, you know, growing? Is it just building that connection, more entrepreneurs, more people just trying to do their own thing? What do you think it's going to look like? It goes both ways, you know, and um, so it's the things that I th- every generation can learn from other generations. And, um, you know, one of the things that I'm finding, especially as you look into kind of Gen Zers, not only are they looking for more purpose and more of the social impact associated to their job and what their company represents, um, which I think is super important. uh, You're also seeing the impact of really digital and social media Mm -hmm. on them that they're not developing that interpersonal muscle like other generations. So they're much more apt to, um, to go to their digital devices versus face to face. And that's one of the pieces that I'm trying to help overcome with the tactical components of savior asks. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to help that be a guide to how do we kind of develop that interpersonal muscle a little bit more. So I, so I mean, that's a very long-winded response to, as you look to even younger millennials and Gen Zers, some of the big changes you're seeing take place are around social impact, around purpose, but also some of those skills that are there, right? They're much more, they're, they're digital natives. They know how to do a lot. I mean, watching my daughters navigate Zoom when they're yeah. being doing these um, at-home classrooms was crazy. Yeah. And But the other side of it is also, you know, how do we offset some of the lack of the interpersonal muscle that isn't necessarily being developed uh, to the place that um, prior generations had? Um, so, you know, I, th- I think once again, it's always getting better, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I think we got to recognize that the, the, that it is becoming better and better out there and there's more and more opportunity. And, you know, I think even just from a job standpoint, it's so critical that we give young people the ability to hone in on what their, their passions are so that I call it like the Plinko game of life that it's not going to, they're not going to be spit out into exactly the right job mm-hmm. right after school but it at least be somewhat close to where their head and heart are oriented versus, mm-hmm. you know, becoming a lawyer just because mom and dad were a lawyer or yeah. becoming a doctor because that's, because that's not a sustained strategy. So mm-hmm. I think with technology, what it's, what it's created is more and more opportunity in terms of creating very viable jobs um, in very specific niches, but we got to be able to give our young people the tools to help identify those passions and those purposes, uh, as well as develop some of the skills that go alongside those pieces. For sure, definitely. And I wanted to ask, I'm not sure if I did, but how did this, all of this start for you? Well, so which piece of it, I guess? With creating the book and you becoming a keynote speaker at corporate, I know it probably goes hand in hand with the book that you, you've written and stuff. Like, where did you come with the idea of 
of creating this book? So I actually, I mean, where it came from was I introduced myself on an executive retreat three and a half years ago. It was 14 executives. We had hired Tommy Breedlove mm-hmm. to be the, um, you know, essentially the, the MC of the weekend because we had mm-hmm. no idea what we were doing. And I went up to introduce myself on that first night. And I was like, I don't really know what I do anymore. I'm, we're 390 employees at our firm and um, I'm kind of like the millennial whisperer and went on and shared my story, sat down by the fire and Tommy kicked me and looked at me. He goes, you better write that book. I was like, what book? He goes, the millennial whisperer. <laughs> and I was like, huh, okay. And then some of the guys were like, yeah, so tell me some of the stuff you do. You know, average age being 45 to 50. And I started talking about some of these tactics that I use within my team. And it was about three weeks later, four of the guys called me. They're like, dude, Chris, I started doing some of those things and it's working. Like it tends. And uh, so I was like, okay, well, I got to write this. And, but a lot of the keynote and some of those pieces had come with more of, um, you know, that muscle or foundation that I developed around speaking on really the subject of social media and digital media. Yeah. I really love that. I really love that because even having uh, Tommy on the show and hearing his side of the story and how he started with everything, I was just like, inspiration, (laughs) motivation. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it's cool because Tommy wrote the forward of my book and then I wrote the forward of his book and we do a lot of cross-pollination. Gosh, look at that. Power of networking. Totally. Totally. (laughs) So you must be a pro at networking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of that that's always been one of my um, superpowers and also kind of what instigated this next book um, around, you know, the ability, they say, go to Chris Tuff for free stuff when people start at our agency, because I just have weird connections for everything from beer to, to, to grills. And um, wow. I find myself in very ridiculous situations with very ridiculous people like Kim Zolciak, for example. <laughs> and they're like, Chris, how do you do this? How do you network so much? I'm like, so I actually created a lecture um, and I've uh, it ended up becoming really popular at Vanderbilt and a few other universities in the US. And uh, it was how to network like a mofo. And it was really bridging that with some of these other things that we're, we're speaking about that I was like, all right, I, I, I have to do this. Um, I have to write this. Um, and, you know, I think another piece that I've recognized is that the Millennial Whisperers had, uh, I think, great impact uh, on a more white collar and large corporation level as well as small businesses. But it hasn't necessarily hit blue collared um, individuals. And I feel like with the way that we're writing this one, it can have a direct impact on p- uh, giving people the ability to take action on, you know, really this networking and, and um and, and selling, but also, you know, honing in on passions and, and currencies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm dying to get a copy of this book, The Millennial Whisper, and of course, your upcoming book, Savior Asks, because I feel like I need to expand my networking connections and getting sure. myself more out there. And I know I had this huge plan in the beginning of 2020. I'm going to create more network connections. I signed up to a bunch of networking events that I paid for and everything. And, you know, there was like some free ones and there was like educational, then the networking. I was just getting so pumped up, you know, I got to boost my confidence, especially if I'm going to go out there and start speaking, you know, cause that's like my next big thing and sure. sharing my story. And of course, 
We were hit by yeah. the COVID-19, <laughs> but I kind of shifted that and went into LinkedIn. I went into Instagram and started reaching out to people and kind of just create those connections because whenever, you know, we decide to be able to, you know, get together in groups of more than just five, at least this way I've got, I just planted the seat with somebody and we're just going to kind of go back to where we left off. Well, and I think one of my emphasis, I mean, my emphasis around that whole point is this concept that uh, is actually a chapter in the book called Shawshanking. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I first did um, a huge deal with this guy, um, it was in 2012. I turned to him after we were signing the deal and I was like, Jason, like I'm the most ADD guy in the world. And here we are, we met seven years ago and we're, we're, I'm signing one of the biggest deals probably of both of our careers. Like, how did you stay after me? He goes, dude, I Shawshanked you. And I was like, what's Shawshank? He was like, every single week for the last seven years, I've had some sort of touch point with you. It's been on Instagram message. It's been on email. It's been on text. Mm. But every single week, I've had some sort of touch point. I haven't been asking you for anything. Once again, save your asks for those mm -hmm. people, right? Um, I've been just developing that relationship with time. And one of the things that I turned to him, I was like, dude, I just got a call from a Fortune 50 company and they tried to hire me as their social media guy. I'm going to go Shawshank them. And it was 18 months later that we landed that Fortune 50 as a client. And it's wow. now one of our largest clients. But it's like, wow, this stuff works. And one of the pieces to that is you've got to have that tenacity, but also the patience to develop that relationship with time. Because the last thing that you want to do in especially networking digitally is go in for that ask too early. Instead, mm -hmm. go ahead and create that rapport and actually understand who it is that makes that person up or that organization up. And then with, you know, 50 interactions, you can then go in and say, hey, you know, I'd love to feature you on my podcast, or I'd love to ask, pick your brain on something with this or that. Yeah. Um, versus directly selling to them. And, and once again, that, that is essentially what the, the guts of this, this next book is. Well, I'm excited for that because I've been approached by a lot of people where it's just they go straight into the asks and I'm just like, oh my God, totally. no. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> every day, every day. And you know, one thing I'll, I'll give people as a resource, I mean, definitely connect with me on Instagram. My uh, handle is at tough, T-U-F-F-2-2. And if you have questions or want to um, ask me anything specifically, reach out there. Um, but then I also encourage everyone just go to quiz.themillennialwhisperer.com and you can uh, take the quick free online quiz. I'll tell you what type of millennial leader you are as well as uh, give you an option to buy the book um, uh, for free, actually. So you just pay for the shipping. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm definitely going to do that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, Chris, what do you like to do for fun? Because, you know, it seems like you're a busy bee. You are changing and inspiring so many people. You're inspiring me, that's for sure. And I hope one day you're able to come to Toronto and speak somewhere so I can meet yeah. you in person. Yeah, I will be Toronto. I'll be coming to Toronto within probably, I mean, as soon as things lighten up a bit, um, because there's a bunch of other uh, places that I, I've promised I'd, I'd go and um, speak to. So that is, will happen within the next year. But yeah, but, but like what, what fuels me is really, you know, family and, um, and kiteboarding is a big one of mine, as well as mountain biking and running and anything active. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, uh, I, you will find me outside uh, <laughs> more often than not doing something dangerous. <laughs> well, that's good that you love to be outdoors because I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, I wish my office was outdoor. But with the humidity here in Toronto, it gets pretty hot and I'm like, totally. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> totally, totally. Oh my gosh. Have you done any marathons? I think f- five, but they're miserable. Um, I don't see another one in my future anytime soon. Well, at least you tried it and you yeah. did four of them. That's exactly. Good. It's you got to check it off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like. I even taught people how to run, and I did a couple races here and there. But I only did the half marathon. I couldn't do the full because of health reasons, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" But I was so happy to accomplish the half, which took a long time for me to train for. And, you know, it's a lot of dedication going into it. But I'm excited to see you here in Toronto. Yes. Amazing things happening during, I don't know if you're coming, if you plan on coming winter or summer, but I usually tell them, I usually tell people come spring, summer, fall. Fall is very nice because the the leaves change color and it's so it's beautiful. Like it's, we're gonna make it happen, Angelica. We're gonna make it happen. I promise. We need to stay in touch. You gotta yes. let me know when you land. <laughs> yes, yes. And if nothing else, you know how to Shawshank me on Instagram at Tough Tutu, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I are love you, it. Are you watching any TV during your time at home? Not really. Not no. really. I mean, some Netflix here and there, but um, I. I, I, yeah, no, not, not too much. I'm a big reader and, um, I, I obviously I love a good Netflix show, but, uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't do that much of, uh, obviously I've got a few friends that are reality TV stars, which you know about. <laughs> um, and, but I don't really watch it, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like addicted to 90 Day Fiance. I'm not sure if you heard of it, but you must have. <laughs> I have heard of it. I have. <laughs> that's like my guilty pleasure and I just like oh my gosh how do I dedicate uh four hours a week on this show (laughs) oh my gosh well (laughs) hey we all need those guilty pleasures right that is true that is true well any advice to give to somebody who is planning to create their own book or write their own book uh well make sure that you're focusing on the outline and the presentation of the components of the book itself. Um, the, the seventh most important part of a book's success are the words in it. So um, as soon as you recognize that, uh, you've already got a leg up from the competition. Um, the first most important thing is that you can speak passionately about whatever that subject is. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me is 80% of people don't even read a book when they buy it. Um, and it might even be higher than that. Mm -hmm. Um, so don't spend all your time, uh, trying to figure out what the words are and instead focus on the message and the organization of the message. Um, and then just get it done, you know, put it out there. Yeah. And, you know, I appreciate that word of those, uh, pieces of advice because really, everyone's different. Everyone's got their own journey when it comes to creating a book. So I really appreciate what you are telling the listeners right now. And even for myself, like you are fueling, oh, I can't even talk right now because it's been such a long day, but you are giving me the gas to keep going. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, Angelica, I will be checking in on you and making sure that you follow through on uh, writing this thing. 
yeah, and I need to get started. I have a, like an idea what I want to write. I just got to put it together. Do I start with dictation? Do I just write no. away? So we'll, we'll take this offline. Hit me okay. up. I'll okay. help you through it. Okay. I'd love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Awesome. But, but Chris, thank you so much for all your time. I really appreciate it. Of course, um, all your links are going to be in the show notes for the listeners and grab that book. It's called The Millennial Whisper. And I cannot wait for you to come back yeah. and talk about Save Your Asks. Yes. This is a big deal here yes. and I'm excited. I'm all for it. We definitely got to thank Tommy for really bringing us together. Yes. And it was so nice of him to do that. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. The power of networking. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. And thank you so much for having me on. And, um, you know, I'm sure we will uh, talk again soon. For sure, definitely. Awesome. I'm going to save my ass. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, to Thanks all the so li- much. <laughs> no, thank you. Well, to all the listeners out there, thank you for tuning in on another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. And that's all we have for now. Hi, this is Michelle Miller from Mentors on the Mic podcast. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jessica with the Beautiful Feet podcast. Hey, it's your boy, Bromar, host of The Bromar Show. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queenpin from the CQP Moments podcast. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Ken, a.k.a. The Gentleman of the Gentleman Lifestyle Podcast. Hi, this is Stephanie Valente, your local massage therapist. And you are listening to A Little little Bit of Everything with Angelica. Angelica. That's it for now. And thank you for tuning in on another episode of a little bit of everything with me. hope you enjoyed this episode. Just don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to.